0: Today, we're continuing our sermon series called Become the Gospel. And Become the Gospel's uh, feature today is mercy. And I want to say a word to define mercy. The Hebrew word for mercy literally means to get inside another person's skin or to completely identify with another person. It's akin to what we call empathy or really relating to another person in their point of need. And, and mercy is so very important and so central to the gospel and who we are called to be, people of mercy. You know, perhaps the greatest example of mercy is the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ showing mercy to all of the world, generations upon generations. And yet we also know that a great display of mercy happened on that Thursday before uh, the Good Friday. And that Thursday in that upper room when the disciples had all gathered there and Jesus washed the disciples' feet and instructed them with that great commandment, Love as I have loved you. We know that that was a display of mercy. I want to talk a little bit about this Passover time in light of the scripture that William read from the 13th chapter of John. Imagine the drama of this moment. Jesus has the disciples gathered in the upper room. He has raised Lazarus from the dead just days before. He has entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey to the sounds of Hosanna and the waving of the palm branches. He had performed great miracles and was known for, for his teaching abilities. And, and, and it was an honor to be in the presence of Jesus. And all in that upper room that night, since that honor, they knew how blessed they were to be followers of this one named Jesus. And in the midst of this sacred time together, the Passover, this sacred supper, Jesus, in the midst of this time, gets up and takes a basin. And he girds himself with a towel. And he stoops down and he begins to wash the dirty, nasty feet of the disciples. One by one, he washes their feet. Can you imagine what what it would have been like to have had your feet washed by Jesus? They're in awe of what the Lord has done. And he works himself in, in this, in this foot-washing um, uh, service in, in the midst of this time of Passover. And, and it's a, a role of a servant that he's taking on. It's the role of a slave to wash another's feet. And so when he gets to the apostle Peter, Peter protests and says, Lord, He will never wash my feet. And Jesus insisted that he wash Peter's feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. What's that about? It's about the fact that we have to be recipients of mercy in order to fully convey the mercy of God with others. Jesus was demonstrated in in that act of washing the disciples' feet. He was demonstrating that when you receive that mercy, then you have that ability to, in Christ's name, to share that mercy with others. I want us to think in terms of how we receive mercy. And and therefore, I want to talk about uh, what mercy is not first. Mercy is not reciprocity. It's not quid pro quo. It's not this for that, as if two equals are coming together and sharing an altruistic act. It's not an altruistic act either, in and of itself. Mercy is not just good deeds performed or volunteer service that is rendered. Mercy has a foundation. And for we who are followers of Christ, the foundation is in the very act of mercy that we have been shown by Jesus. Mercy is the shared action of love with God, for God, and from God. Mercy is always transformed into a God action. When we show mercy, we truly do become the gospel for another. Mercy is a thankful response to a God who has given all to us, expecting nothing in return, no quid pro quo. And mercy is beautiful deeds that we share in Jesus' name, not expecting the person who, even if they could, to repay. And mercy is following the Lord's example of loving us, and, and us loving others as he has loved us. It starts by us beginning to understand that we have to receive that mercy in order to be able to pass it on or to share it. So it's important this morning that we think in terms of, well, how do we receive mercy? Jesus said to Peter, in essence... Before you serve others, you have to receive mercy. And so here are a few things that I think we have to focus on in order to be good recipients of God's mercy. We, we receive mercy through worship, don't we? And this is a challenging time. We can't worship together. We're not all in the same room. We're not all sitting on the same pews together. Uh, we're, we're not exchanging those uh, welcomes of Christian fellowship. But we still find time to worship. It may be our one-on-one time with God. Or it may be in the context of family. It may be live streaming this worship service. But we have to find ways that... Uh, blessed assurance that the youth saying, It comes alive to us. That, that our praise and thanksgiving to God that is done in worship is a way that we receive from God and let God know how thankful we are for the gift of mercy. And, and secondly, we we receive mercy through our prayers when we pray to acknowledge who God is and we express who we are as those who have received mercy and we bring our needs and the needs of others before God as petitions God loves this communication that we have and and God honors that communication And and we acknowledge when we pray that we are actually receiving from God. Prayer is not so much about talking as it is about listening to the way God will lead, guide, and direct us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing I'd like to say this morning about how we receive mercy is through other people. You know, this is the way God speaks to me most often is through other people, through trusted mentors and friends who, who we go to. And, and those people share with us uh, the word of God. And you know when you hear it, it, it is the word of God. And we receive mercy through other people. Sometimes we are the ones in need of those prayers. We're, in the, one, we're the ones who, who need that, that love of Christ expressed to us. And we get that love of Christ oftentimes expressed to us through others. Countless times I can, I can name, uh, even in the course of a single week, how people have shown me mercy. And I know that it's in Jesus' name. I want to uh, speak to us just to, for a moment about our Wesleyan heritage or about our, our Methodist background. And I know there are those who are tuning in who may not be Methodists, but, but hear this aspect of who we are in our heritage. We, we talk a lot about the Wesley brothers, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, uh, who lived in the 18th century and did their ministry there. They were both Anglican priests, and, and both of them had... An experience, a heartwarming experience, with the same group of people who met in a Bible study that was on Aldersgate Street in London in May of 1738. Now, we oftentimes talk about Aldersgate Day, the day that John Wesley had his heartwarming experience, was on the 24th day of May in 1738, but four days prior his brother, Charles Wesley, had his experience in that same Bible study when his heart was strangely warm, so to speak, and when he felt Christ enter his life in a new way that changed everything for him as it did his brother. You see, Charles Wesley, like John, had been uh, trained in the Anglican ministry and had served in this ordained capacity for years, had preached the gospel, And yet, on the 20th day of May, Charles Wesley at that Bible study with his Moravian friends. They led him to an experience of grace that he hadn't had before. And here's what he wrote. At midnight, I gave myself to Christ. Assured, that blessed assurance. Assured that I was safe, whether sleeping or waking. I had the continual experience of his power to come over to overcome all temptation and confess with joy and surprise that he was able to do exceedingly abundantly for me above what I can ask or think And a few days later, perhaps in part inspired by his brother Charles, John Wesley went to that same Moravian Bible study and he too had his new awakening. And that's what birthed the Methodist movement with all of its power. It spread throughout England. It spread into um, uh, the United States at that time, even before it was the United States. Spread to America. And, and John Wesley and Charles Wesley, they, they saw as one of their primary uh, aspects of becoming the gospel was to, to deliver mercy to others. And they would go to the prisoners um, who lived in such a hor- horrendous conditions at the, the Newgate prison in London they visited. And even in the dreadful Bedlam uh, dungeon, which was for those who were insane, the Wesley brothers and other Methodists would go and extend God's mercy. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn. Of course, he wrote 6,500 hymns, but this is the way that he testified to his faith. And, and shortly after that Aldersgate experience, he wrote a hymn called The Depth of Mercy. It appeared first in hymns of sacred and sacred poems in 1741. And here is that hymn that had... 13 stanzas I'm not going to sing 13 stanzas in fact I'm not even going to sing one but I am going to quote two stanzas hear the words that Charles Wesley wrote depth of mercy can there be mercy still reserved for me can my God his wrath forbear me the chief of sinners spare and here's the answer there for me, my Savior stands, holding forth his wounded hands. God is love. I know I feel Jesus weeps and loves me still. Wow. Those words express the kind of mercy that Charles Wesley felt that put him to writing hymns by the thousands And had his testimony to others so strongly stated. You know, one of the greatest experiences of God's mercy that I've ever been a part of happened in connection here to Lovers Lane United Methodist Church when we started going to Honduras on mission trips uh, shortly after Hurricane Mitch ravaged that country. So for 10 years or more, we would go... Several times a year, to Honduras, outside of Tegucigapa on this mountain called Magote. This past week, Kay Eck, um, she was looking through some of her old photo albums, and there she came across a picture that reminded her of um, of two very important summers that she spent in Honduras. The picture was of her and. Uh, beloved David McLaurin, um, David uh, was such an important person here. He died several years ago, but but uh, he mentored Kay. And and David did missions here, and he saw in Kay someone who was r- really having her heart strangely warmed toward a call to God and toward a call to mission work. She was a teacher at the time, but, but it was clear that God wanted to move her in the direction of ministry and David recognized it and he knew that she could become his successor. And so he worked with her and trained her and when Kay got through with those two summers, she headed to seminary and was on staff here for years. Now she's our executive pastor. We all love Kay and, and mission work and showing mercy is how she answered her call to ministry through the words uh, of David McLaren that we're always encouraging through the prayers that she no doubt expressed and through the worship that God spoke to her heart as one who would receive mercy and also share mercy with others. Now I want to say something even in the midst of this COVID-19 that may strike you as somewhat uh, strange but I want to say that there is nothing more contagious than god's mercy it's catching we we become exposed to it and it changes us forever you know this past week the reporter sam hodges who writes for the united methodist news he He wrote a story about one of our members, Brett Giroir, and and Brett, of course, uh, Admiral Brett Giroir, is is on the front lines of dealing with the COVID-19 virus, and and there he is, as we see him on television often, uh, giving us the latest uh, plans and strategies and reports. And Jill and Brett have been members here since 1985 as a couple. Admiral Girard is, is a pediatrician by practice, but he's been in research and scientific work and public health uh, as a public health expert uh, for years. And since 2018, uh, he has served in the capacity of being the assistant secretary for health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And on March the 12th, he was asked to join the president's COVID-19 task force. His portfolio is is enormous, but it was clear that he was one who needed to be there in the midst of the decision making to take on the all-important task of testing that is so very important. As we know, 1.4 million people have had COVID-19 in this country and we're getting close to 90,000 deaths in the United States alone. Brett and Jill they used to go on these Honduras mission trips. And, and they enjoyed so much the interaction on these mission trips. You can see there is a picture of Brett with some of the little children that he took care of when he would be on a, a mission trip there in, outside of Tagusagapa. And, and they were so moved that they sponsored a, a little fifth grader at the time, sponsored her through school and through college at Tagusagapa. There is nothing more contagious than God's mercy. I'm telling you. And, and Brett also has been influential um, to our own daughter-in-law, uh, Emily Schmidt Copeland. Emily and Zach were dating when uh, they were there in their first year at Southwestern University, a United Methodist school in Georgetown, Texas. And that summer, they wanted to go on a mission trip, and they did. And um, I was there a- as well. And, and uh, during this week, um, Emily thought she wanted to go to medical school. She would thought that even when she entered college. But uh, she had the privilege of working beside Brett. And, and they worked with these little sick children. And on the very first day, a little child was brought in very near to death. And, and the, the, the baby was handed to Emily to take care of, to nurse this baby back to health. What an awesome experience. And, and day by day, the little baby grew stronger. And Emily said, as Sam Hodges reported in his article, that it was such a celebration when the little boy urinated on my t-shirt, she said. Because she knew at that time he was no longer dehydrated. And he'd turned a corner and it was on his way to health. That was such a, a, a wonderful time of, of, of being right involved in God's mercy for Emily. But right beside her was Brett Giroir. And Brett encouraged her, given her responsibility and encouraged her, encouraging her along the way. And, and talking about how he, he so marveled at the way she took care of that child. There was no doubt that Emily too would become a pediatrician. Here she is in Dallas now serving as a pediatrician there is nothing more contagious than god's mercy i want to say that when i see brett gerrell i see him on television as one whom i know sitting right over there when he's here in dallas with his family And I want to say how thankful I am when I see him on television and our leaders confronting this virus. It reminds me to pray. And I know that we have uh, people who are right in the thick of this virus who are ones who know how to show God's mercy. One more story from Honduras. One of the most memorable experiences of God's mercy I have ever had was on that mountain of Magote. A tradition arose on that mountain among the women there, the women on the mission team and the women there on the mountain. It was called Spa Day and it took place on the last full day of the mission trip. The ladies would call together the women of Magote. There's Kay Eck right there. And they would give these women a manicure and a pedicure. You see, uh, the streets of Magote were much like the streets that Jesus and the disciples walked. They were just dirt streets. And, and the sandals they had were dollar flip-flops at best, or they were barefooted. And, and their feet were filthy and worn, and and, and, and our women would would provide these acts of mercy and the result would be these smiles and the joy that would arise. Kay was sharing about how um, the, the, the experience of these women coming for those, that spa day was something that uh, that was a clear act of God's mercy could never be repaid wasn't intended to be repaid but only extended as a way to show God's love And to all experience God's joy. That's the way it is with mercy. That's the way it is when we experience God's mercy. We know it's God's love and we can't help but experience the joy. Oh, if all of us could have seen those smiles and the heartfelt sharing of God's mercy, we'd all be in danger of catching it. Of being exposed to God's mercy. Because there is nothing more contagious than God's mercy. Catch it and spread it far and wide in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.